Praise God for the wonderful message of that song. And this morning, if you're able to do so, please stand for the reading of God's word as we give honor and reverence. You know, um, the preaching of the cross, the subject about the cross never gets old on me. It's always fresh. And uh, I think a couple of weeks ago when we observed the Lord's table and we preach about the cross, it's always um, draw us closer to God, isn't it? Because without the cross of Christ Jesus, we don't have redemption. Amen? We won't be here today. But I like to switch gear. And I, we know it's the missions conference this month. So it's a missions emphasis month. And our theme for this month is uh, God's mission is my mission. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and also in the Gospel of John. So we will look at uh, a study. Uh, we had a series before in the book of Exodus. So we will look at Exodus chapter... 18, and our message today is WWW. It's not World Wide Web, all right? But it's witnessing and wisdom in the wilderness, amen? And I'd like to encourage you to uh, be a personal witness and support the missions program of our church, our faith promise um, giving. So right now we have to be praying for what the Lord will lay upon our hearts, amen? To be part of our missions program. And this is one of the greatest endeavor and ministry in our church to continue to proclaim the gospel and be part of the Great Commission. So I hope and pray we'll learn something in this passage of Scripture about witnessing wisdom in the wilderness. And this is the story of Pastor Jether. No, I'm just kidding. I think that's where my dad got his name. But the character here that we're going to study is Jethro. All right? Are you familiar with him? All right, I hope and pray that uh, our... Bible knowledge will be uh, enlightened and also be uh, added as we study this very practical uh, message this morning. Amen. And we know God's word is written for our learning, for our example. So if you're there, say a hearty amen. amen. And also we'd like to welcome our church folks that are with us virtually. Uh, we miss you for those that are still in vacation, but we thank God for this platform. They could still worship with us and pray with us and praise the Lord with us. Amen through our online ministry. So thank you, and do pray for me. So let's read, uh, actually, from verses 1 to 27. Amen? It's always good to read God's Word together. So I'll begin verse 1, then you do verse number 2 responsibly, and then we'll read verse 27 all together. The Bible says, When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt, Mm -hmm. And her two sons, of which the name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been an alien in a strange land. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness, where he encamped at the Mount of God. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and did obeisance and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare, and they came into the tent. Mm -hmm. Mm 
Amen. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. Verse 11, now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Can I hear an amen with that? Amen. For in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. Mm -hmm. Verse 15, And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Mm -hmm. Hearken now unto my voice, I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. If thou shalt do this thing, and God commanded thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all these people shall also go to their place in peace. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel, and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. Altogether, and Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own land. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's look to him in prayer. Father God in heaven, we bless your name. We thank thee so much for this beautiful Lord's day. This is your day, not ours, Lord. We are here because of thee. Thou art faithful, thou art just, merciful, loving, and compassionate toward all of us. Once again, Lord, as your people, as a body of believers, we humbly come to thy throne of grace. We are asking for your favor. We are asking for your forgiveness for our shortcomings. Lord, I'm nothing personally, Lord, without you. Lord, help me. And may the unction of the Holy Spirit be upon me, Lord. Um, forgive me of my sins. Help me, Lord, to be a vessel unto honor before you so I could speak thy words 
And may the word of God be the only one that will encourage us, edify us, instruct us, even rebuke us and reprove us because all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for us. We will gain something, Lord, if we will just open our ears and our hearts with understanding and let the word of God flow gloriously like a river to bless our souls today and our spirit. I pray that you revive our hearts, save the lost, and strengthen us in our faith. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Thank you so much for standing with me. If you like to uh, study uh, the life of Moses, we know that Moses is one of the men in the Old Testament is, that is so much revered by the Jewish people. And as I said a while ago in our Sunday school class, we need to pray for the peace in Jerusalem and Israel, as you know what had happened. Um, with the international news, and we are living in a sin-cursed world. There's evil and wicked people who like to do us harm, and the Bible says that we are blessed as Gentiles or anyone who blesses Israel, amen, and supports Israel because they are the apple of God's eye. And Israel was used by God to bless the whole world through Father Abraham, amen, because the Messiah had come through his lineage, to his loins. We are given the Bible through this man who had written the 66 uh, is, is scriptures. So we thank God for uh, the design and the plan of God through them. So we have to pray for them that the Lord will give wisdom, amen, and comfort to the leaders. So if you'd like to uh, know another man in the Old Testament that's revered by the Jewish people, we know one of them is Abraham and the other is Moses. So if you look at Hebrews chapter 11, actually it's, in not, it's not in my slide, but if you like to look at the life of Moses, a very interesting man, one of the most humble and meek men in the Bible. You can separate his life in three stages. 40 years in the palace, in Pharaoh's court, 40 years in the plain or wilderness, and 40 years almost in the promised land. You know, 40 years he thought he was somebody, then 40 years he was a nobody, and then in the last 40 years God used a nobody to be somebody to be a blessing to everybody. Isn't it? So we look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23, just a, a brief summary as an introduction of our lesson today. So we'll know about Moses. It says there, if you will follow me silently with your Bibles, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. Hebrews 11:23. Remember the story? Yeah, they're growing in numbers. Joseph was the prime minister, second in command in Egypt during that time, and he saved the world through that great famine, seven famine, uh, seven years of great famine before the seven years of plenty, isn't it? So God prepared that. He saved his people, uh, Jacob and his sons and, his, and their sons, 120 of them, I believe, came to Goshen, and then they multiplied, they became great, and Pharaoh was afraid that they will overthrow. So he called the, uh, the midwives, amen, uh, our nurses here, amen, the healthcare people, to slay the Hebrew male child. But they had the fear of God in them, amen? Even though they're not Christians, they're not believers of Jehovah, but they heard about the God of Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, isn't it? And they feared God, and they spared the, uh, the male Jewish kids, but of course a lot of them were slaughtered, but one of them was spared because of Moses. Amen? His name is Moses. He was put in a, uh, 
little ark of bulrushes and a basket and flowed into the river. And if you've seen Moses inside and sound, amen? And some of you have seen it. Such a great portrayal and, and a great uh, setting of putting the Bible into life. I love that story. I love the songs that they sang. Actually, Pastor Abel sang one of the songs inside and sound a few Sundays ago. Amen? So we see here he was a goodly child. He was hid three months. Now he's crying, you know, and, and the mom, Jochebed, would like to spare this um, kid because he comes from God, and we know every life is sacred. Amen? Every life comes from the God who made us from his image. So it says there, because he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment, by faith, it's always by faith, amen? Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Remember the story? He was adopted. He might be the next line to become Pharaoh, after Ramesses, his brother probably, but look at this, by faith, verse 25, he chose, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. We know Egypt is the center of the world during that time. The world empire during that time. But it's pagan, it's heathen, it's hedonistic. And like Solomon, probably Moses could have, have it all that the world offers. But look at that. I believe while he was growing up, his mother is teaching him the one true God. It is Jehovah. It's the God who called Abraham. It's the God who, who will make a great nation. It's the God who promised that the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. It's the promise that he will deliver us out of this slavery, 400 years in bondage. Then look in verse 26, esteeming. I love that word, esteeming the reproach of Christ by faith. Amen? Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. He could have one of those pyramids as one of his, you know, cemetery, burial, isn't it? Sepulchre. As one of the great pharaohs of Egypt. But he refused that. The fame, popularity, wealth, he refused that because it says, therefore, he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he looked beyond what the world can offer and looked beyond what God can offer spiritually and eternally. It says there, by faith, verse 27, he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, for endured as seeing him who is invisible. Isn't it? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, believing not that we see. That's why when it comes to the gospel, F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all, I just trust him. We are saved by grace through faith. We are saved because we believe in the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. His burial and the power of His resurrection. Amen? That's the good news. It's by faith that anyone can be saved. Through faith, it says there, He kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, verse 29, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians assayed, assaying to do were to do were drowned. So we see here like a summary of his life, isn't it? 40 years in the palace of Pharaoh, 40 years in the wilderness, in that desert, and then 40 years uh, delivering the people of God, the Israel, and trying to bring them to the promised land. So in between of those two 40 years, in the palace and in the wilderness, this story occurs. He, Exodus chapter 18, verse 1 to 27. So we see here, as we read it, 
with understanding, you got the gist of the story. We know that this was a family reunion, isn't it? As Moses is reunited with his wife and sons and his father-in-law, Jethro. Moses uh, tried to find a picture of Jethro, and I have some slides here. That's the only picture I could find. <laughs> some of you who are old this year know this guy. I think it's Jethro Bodin. Bodine? How do you, I don't know how you pronounce his word. He's a happy guy, isn't it? You should smile when you go to church like that, amen? <laughs> it's such a good day. Good sunshine, amen? And I, I, I saw some moms there this morning. It, it made my br day brighter, amen? Just nice flowers. So, uh, and there's another uh, slide of uh, Jethro I could find, probably like Lego. All right. That's why Jewish are not allowed to have their pictures taken, isn't it? Or make a statue of them or symbol, unlike the Greeks and the Gentiles, isn't it? Because they tend to worship. Why do you think Moses was not found, his body? God buried him at the end of his life, isn't it? Because probably Jewish people, Israelite people, make a God out of him, all right? Worship him and stuff like that. Even the Ark of the Covenant, amen? All those stuff. But the last time we see in the story, Jethro had been in Moses' presence. He heard him tell about his talk with some shabri, burning bush, remember? What do you... <laughs> shabri, burning bush. What do you think people do for entertainment during that time? When, you know, they had their dinner, they go to the tent, they tell stories, isn't it? Of what they, the day uh, had, had occurred and the past victories, past miracles, past working of God, isn't it? By mouth, word of mouth, they tell stories. All right, that's what they do. For us now, we have Netflix, isn't it? And all our gadgets, and we don't even talk now. It's sad, isn't it? But they talk a lot. There's a strong family connection here. And look at this. Here is Jethro hearing from Moses. And he was talking with him. But it's now 40 years later in this story in Exodus 18. And I think that Jethro has been convinced about the God of Israel and has been converted. Remember, he was a, a priest in Midian, I believe, with Zipporah, one of his daughters. So Moses witnesses to his father-in-law, and it works. So what's the practical lesson that we can see here? Lost family members are sometimes the hardest to talk to and the most difficult to reach. Can I hear an amen with that? You believe that, isn't it? Lost Family members are sometimes the hardest to talk to and the most difficult to reach. And whenever we have here in our church, Evangelism Month, Missions Emphasis Month, we always like to, to, to encourage you as, as pastors here to continue to have the burden, the heart to witness. Amen? To pray for our lost loved ones and friends, co-workers and such. But to illustrate this, even Jesus' family did not believe in him until after the resurrection. Amen? John 7, 5. John 7, 5. We have some quick verses here. Neither his brethren. And we know Christ has at least seven brethren, both brothers and sisters, in the Bible. So the teaching of Mary's perpetual virginity is like refuted in those verses of Scripture. Because Christ has earthly have brothers and sisters. Amen? So even his brethren did not believe on him. And one of them is the writer of the epistle in the New Testament. But look at uh, Exodus chapter 18, verse 1. We read a while ago, when Jethro heard. Look at that phrase, Jethro heard. And we know faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen? You want to grow in your spiritual life? 
read, meditate, and hear God's Word. I don't care whatever medium it is. You can hear preaching. You can hear audio Bible. If you have problems reading like me with one eye, amen? But there's no excuse for us not to enrich ourselves with the Word of God because it's so much accessible. It just need to make time. We just need to make time. Amen? We just need to balance our schedule and put God first. Amen? And I'm glad you put God first today. Because you'll be blessed by it. And God honors when His people put Him first in everything. This is the first day of the week. Amen? We need to honor God in His day. So that's why we're here to worship the one true living God. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And our lost loved ones, if they don't hear it from you, who are they going to hear it from? They're our own first mission ministry, actually. Amen? By God's grace. So... Take in mind, this is also derivative to our missions conference. God's mission is my mission. What is your mission today? What is your mission motto in life? You know, we have this saying here in the church that we adapt adapted with somebody, the chief end of man, the purpose of man, the purpose of a believer, a Christian, why we are here after we got saved is to know God and make Him known. And when you know God, you will love Him, you will serve Him, and you will enjoy Him forever. Don't you know, Christian life is not a boring kind of life. It's an exciting life. Because we have God with us and in us. And through us when we are suffering. Amen? So, God's mission is supposed to be your mission. Every blessing, everything that we have here in this world is a means to an end. You are blessed with a job. You are blessed with a home. You are blessed with family, with faith and friends. What is it for? To know God and make Him known. Because at the end of the day, in the ultimate analysis, only two things will remain forever that will come from this world, isn't it? The souls of men, you and me, and the scriptures, the word of God. Souls and scriptures. Because heaven and earth shall pass away, but God's word will never pass away. And people will live for all eternity. And there's only two destinations amen heaven or hell and we know the way to heaven because jesus is the way amen we have the message we have a mission so let's look at these practical tips for working on your family as we try to evangelize them and witness to them very practical and simple first don't alienate them or separate them in the wrong kind of way all right as we read in our bible narratives a while ago Sometimes we don't pick, we don't have to pick at their sins, plural. Don't focus on their drinking, cussing, lust. You should not do this or that because it will only alienate them. It will only distance them away from us. You know what? A lot of people, they already have a deep down guilt and emptiness about those things. We need to go deeper. That's why the Bible says in John 3, 16, to 18. We know John 3.16. Amen? If you have a, I rolled a verse to sister so-and-so or to brother so-and-so. You know that, that game that we have in our Bible studies for memory verse? Amen? And, I, and I'm proud that I admire our ladies. They do memory work on Sunday school. You know, it's really good to do that because it will sharpen your memory skills. And the Bible says iron sharpeneth iron. Amen? So for those here who have good Christian friends, they will sharpen you, amen, when they rebuke you. <laughs> and 
and, and pray for you and pray with you. Amen? It's good to have Christian friends, especially here in our church. That's why I encourage you to be a member of a Bible study group. Amen? And be a part, participate, because iron sharpeneth iron. So we don't have to pick on their sins because they know already. Why? Because the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. So, you don't have to really point, ah, you're going to hell and stop. The Bible says they are already condemned. God's wrath abided in them because they are sinners by nature and by choice. But you know what? What it says there, because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So they are not going to hell for their sins, plural, but for their sin, singular, of unbelief. That's the only one that will push, drive, cast uh, unrepentant sinner to hell is the sin of unbelief. Like the sins of the old Pharisees in, in the gospel, in the New Testament, because of their unbelief. It's the root cause, and the rest is just the fruit of the root. Because Christ had already paid for our sins on the cross. Forever, free and finished. But that Adamic sin, that sin that damns, the original sin, if you don't accept his offer of eternal life and forgiveness through his perfect sacrifice on the cross, then that's the unpardonable sin that you will commit. You will reject and reject the conviction of the Holy Spirit until you end up in hell. There's no more second chance for that. So the sin that will damn a soul in hell is the sin of unbelief. Parang simple lang, no? Pero it's really the one that will destroy you for all eternity, isn't it? But aren't you glad Christ is offering the free gift of eternal life. It's up to you to receive it or reject it. Alright? So, picture me to illustrate this as we try to push the thought about not condemning them. Picture with me a person with sores and boils on their skin. Sa ating wika, pigsa. You know, growing up in, a, in the Bible school, when I attended there in the Philippines, you know, uh, the word FBCA, uh, Fundamental Baptist College for Asians, there's another term for that. It's farming, block making, construction. And then say, sabi nila America na at the end, you know? So we go through like the fish pan, you know, to, to, to support our, our, ourselves, to support the college. We work in the field and stuff. So in the fish pan, they raise uh, not just tilapia, but hito, catfish. And you know, catfish are one of the most unclean fish you'll ever eat. Oh, I don't want to discourage you in eating that. The juice doesn't eat it because it has no scale. And they are scavengers. They eat dead stuff. So we, we feed them with uh, chicken, chicken intestines. You just throw it like that, and they eat it, and they be become so big and fat, isn't it? It's good to sell. All right? But because you go through those fish pond, you get pigsa. <laughs> Boils because it's unsanitary, especially. You don't go there where you have an open cut, open wood. It's going to be infected. And we, I saw a Bible school student. He had a pigsa on his behind. And what they do is so painful, isn't it? What they do is they put a little fire and a kinulub nila, and baso, because they're trying to suck it out. And he was like crying, crying. 
Lord, I came to the Bible store. I, it's like, I, I, I remember that story. I saw a vision, a dream, PC. I thought it's preached Christ. Preached Christ is really plant camote. Plant camote in the field. All right? But he endured, and he's, he's a great missionary now. He's a pastor. All right? But look at this. Boils. All right? What happened to boils? It's an outward thing, isn't it? You can pick at it all day, but it only festers and grows worse and more painful. Isn't it? But when you figure out what is in the bloodstream of that person who has that boil, what is causing it, you've gotten down to the heart of the matter, the root. So, our unsaved loved and friends, what's the heart of the matter before they get saved? We need to turn them to Jesus. We need to give them the light of the gospel so they will believe. Because they could come to every different kind of religion or background, but still the root cause of them being condemned is unbelief. Amen? But faith could come in. Amen? When we pray, when we witness, when we live a godly Christian life. Now, we should not condone their sin. Amen? Or should partake in their sin. Condone, commit, or comply with the sin in order to reach them. It's like the old saying of a preacher, I'll go to the bar to preach to the sinners. Well, you got saved from drinking, from being influenced by uh, that alcohol and you've been in trouble with DOI and you beat your wife and now you want to go there and be in front of the temptation? Are you that strong? <laughs> of course, there's a place and time for everything. Amen? So it's, a, it's just like we should not condone, condone their sin in order to reach them. We need to fight spiritual battles on the home field because it is never right to do wrong. Amen? It's never right to do wrong. So, don't alienate them. Be compassionate. Be diplomatic like Jesus. Amen? He was a friend of sinners. But he wants to reach them. Secondly, moving on. Use your testimony, your salvation experience. You know, that's the greatest miracle in modern daytime right now. When we got saved. Amen? It's the time we got saved. You know, Exodus chapter 18 verse 8. It says there in our verse of scripture. Exodus 18 verse 8. And all the people answered together and said, I'm reading verse nine, chapter 19, verse 8. And Moses told his father-in-law father -in all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. Well, Moses was excited. This is how God showed his great divine power all the way from Egypt with the ten plagues, with the parting of the Red Sea, and how he sustains us here in the wilderness. He was glad. In sharing the salvations, that's his testimony, the power of God to his father-in-law. So, when we witness, sometimes we don't need big words, amen? You don't have to memorize the whole Bible to witness. Just relate your story, how God met you, how he saved you. Because that's supposed to be the greatest, most exciting day of your life, amen? When Christ found us and saved us from our sins. It's a powerful testimony. Powerful story, no matter how it goes. Over and over again, for example, Paul does this in, this in the book of Acts. He always tells, when he preached about his testimonies, story how God met him in the road of Damascus. Remember? He was the greatest devout Pharisee for the cause of Judaism. He was like mad at the Christians during that time. But you know what? He did not know that he was kicking against the bricks. He's going to hurt himself until the Lord Jesus Christ was compassionate on him and met him in the road of Damascus and gloriously saved him. 
And he became one of the greatest Christian missionary in all the world. And our missionary, our apostle to the Gentiles, where we derive our doctrine and practice in, in half of the New Testament books that he had written, from Romans to Philemon. We're thankful for Apostle Paul, who was Saul the persecutor before, who became Paul the persecuted one. You know why? Because he met Jesus. And wherever he goes and preaches, he uses his testimony, experience, and salvation to preach about Jesus. You ought to do so. Me and you. Amen? I don't know what the circumstances when you came to the Lord as your Lord and Savior. If you walk down the aisle or if your Sunday school teacher spoke to you about Jesus, I don't know if you cried. I don't know if you, if you were emotional. I don't know. But there's the truth that you experienced and you know that you were lost. That you are on your way to hell. But Christ was compassionate enough to save you and gave and shed his blood on the cross. And resurrected on the third day. It's such a glorious day. And because of that, our lives are forever changed. We had new life. We can have an abundant life. We can have eternal life. And I'm so glad with this pulpit because I could pound it. Holy grail, amen? I'm like that one. See, there's a blessing in everything. I hope this will not fall off. This microphone or I, I'll destroy it again like last couple of Sundays, alright? We're holding out? Okay, thank you. Right. Can get carried away. Alright? You have a testimony to share first before you can share it to others. Aren't you glad as Christians we have a message, something to share? That's why when you're in old faith, you don't share your faith. When you're RC, isn't it? Because you don't really have something true and deep within to share. Because even yourself, you don't know if you're going to make it to heaven. Are you sure? Sometimes we use that question when we do evangelism, which is a scary one. Are you sure if you die today, you're going to go to heaven? God forbid, but we use, God forbid, but you know, we don't hold our lives in our hands. It is appointed unto man once to die. But after this, the judgment. You can be healthy and rich and free today. Tomorrow, you are in, in the bed and probably in the morgue the following day. We don't know. Our lives. The Bible says, sufficient is the evil thereof of the day. We cannot boast of tomorrow. Because we don't know what will happen for us in tomorrow. We just trust God for today. His grace is sufficient. So, when we ask that question, are you sure if you die today, you're going to go to heaven? You know, it's a legitimate question. But you know what? The good news is you can know for sure. You can prepare your way to meet your God, your Creator. Because 1 John 5, 13, I believe, says... These things have I written, the Bible is written, that ye may know. Our salvation is not a hope so, maybe so, but a no so kind of salvation. Amen. And that's blessed assurance, amen? amen? That's eternal security for a child of God. Aren't you glad you have that? Because we all sin and, and fall short of the glory of God. We falter and fail. If our salvation is depending on us, we're holding on it, then it will not be secure. Because every day we have bad thoughts. What if you were not able to confess it to God and ask for forgiveness and you die? You're eating your Dunkin' Donut and you pass by a railroad truck and you didn't notice because you have your earphones that there's a train coming in. You're not Superman to ah, avoid it in a split second and you die and you're not able to confess that sin of an evil thought. Oh, you I lost your salvation. You end up in hell like the rich man. Aren't you glad our salvation is not depending on us? But it's depending on Christ Jesus' finished work on the cross. It's by faith. It's by His grace that we're saved. Amen? I have to go on. Thir number three, leave it in God's hand. Sovereignty. So practical things here. 
to help us in working with our family members or co-workers and saved friends. Don't alienate them, separation. Use your testimony, your salvation experience, then ultimately leave it in God's hand. God is sovereign. As we say here in America, I tried, the ball is in your court until you open your mouth. But once you do, the ball is in their court. Leave it with God. All we have to do is share. Sow the seeds of the word. Amen? God will give the increase, the harvest. You might not be the one that will be able to lead them to a sinner's prayer. or The best is for themselves to pray to God and ask God for forgiveness and saving them. You might not be the one, but at least you made a way for them to hear the truth. You have planted the seed. And others probably might do the harvest. Amen? Leave it with God. Bring it back to Him often in prayer. Pray for them every day. Come to the altar for them. That's why we have altar invitation here every now and then. You have your prayer time with your family, your personal devotion to God, and pray that the Lord will be merciful to them and extend His grace so they will be saved. Amen? Show how much God, show them how much God means to you and how much you believe in the power of prayer. A few verses here, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Titus 2, verse 11 and 12. The Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation had appeared to all men. Oh, thank God for that. God is divinely sovereign in saving men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, at the end of that verse of Scripture, God is not willing that any should perish, thank God, but that all should come to repentance. Theologically saying, huh, Brother Joe, there's the divine sovereignty of God and the human responsibility of men to respond to the gospel. And there's a balance in between, and we will never know and comprehend fully what that means. But just, we just believe that God is still in the business of saving souls today. That's why we have to witness. We have to support our missionaries. So that's the witnessing in the wilderness. Then I'll end with this, the second one. The wisdom in the wilderness. A wisdom in the wilderness. Verses 13 to 27 in Exodus chapter 18 that we read. There's a joke here. This is just what every guy wants to hear from his father-in-law. I'm missing my father-in-law, as you know. But we don't want to hear from our father-in-law, you're blowing it, bro. Isn't it? You're blowing it. The thing you're doing is not good. So I believe in this passage of scripture that good advice is shared here by Moses' father-in-law, Jethro. It's like he's saying, be wise, Moses. Don't try to do it all yourself. You will die having accomplished little. Be a delegator. It's not laziness, Moses. It's wisdom to share the load with good, capable people. Just practical lessons. I feel like this is pastor's appreciation message, but, you know? But so far from now, amen? Now, some good people think differently about this passage. That it's worldly wisdom that was shared and not heavenly wisdom. Further, they say that many believe out of this order of leaders arose the Sanhedrin. Remember of that term? The 70 Jewish elders, judges in the New Testament, where Apostle Paul probably presumptuously belonged to, or Nicodemus or Joseph of Arimathea. You know, 70 body of uh, 
Jewish people, male Jewish people, spiritual leaders, and judges during that time. So they said, probably originally, that's where the concept came from in Exodus chapter 18, the Sanhedrin. But I can see all these points, but I disagree because look at verses 21 and 22. I believe they are not judges during this time yet, but they were spiritual help and leaders, ministers of Moses. Remember Aaron and her that raised his two arms in the battle? During this time, he needs, imagine, two million complaining, murmuring, stubborn, stiff-necked Jews, Hebrews, who will bring all their problems to Moses and have them give them solution or advice. It will burn him down. Burn him down. Burn him out. Weary him. So Jethro came, isn't it? And gave him this advice. So I, I believe it's a good advice. Verse 21 and 22, that these 70 elders became their spiritual leaders, all right? Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, look at the qualities, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them and such. So it shows here the high requirements these leaders must meet with and that the large matter should still come before Moses. I think somewhere later along the line, those standards may have gone by, by the wayside. And during Jesus' time, it was corrupted, isn't it? They are so prideful and arrogant that they uh, think they are religious pious and everything. They are above all the law, and they are above the people. So likewise, it says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, No, young people, hear me out. You don't know it all. Amen? Sometimes that's uh, their favorite phrase. I know, Dad. I know, Mom. I know. But really, you know? Because if you really know, you will act on it. Amen? Because your belief will always affect your behavior. Amen? So you know, yeah, it's in the head, but it has to also go all the way to the heart and manifested in action. Look at this. When we do such decisions in life, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Even in the social world, secular world, we look for a second opinion, third opinion, isn't it? Good advice. And most of our problems stems out is the root cause of a spiritual, you know, lackness, a spiritual misunderstanding. But there is good counsel in the multitudes of them. Good advice. There is safety in Multitudes of counseling, especially those that fear God. Amen? Those that have the truth. They are not perfect, but at least, amen, you can rely on them. Oh, who am I referring to? Maybe you have a good Christian mature friend. Maybe a deacon in the church. Maybe a brother or sister in the Lord. That Even though you're not blood brothers, but you are blood brothers in Christ Jesus. Amen? And they pray for you. They are compassionate with you. And you can talk over anything under the sun with Starbucks coffee, amen, or Dunkin' Donuts. And you can share your experiences in life. You should find someone like that in the church, amen, or in your, in your world. A good, I heard of some ladies here in the church, they have a, a particular prayer time for that hour. They are at work or they are somewhere, but that particular hour they will pray for each one. But through the phone, through Zoom link and stuff. Keep that up. That's good. Because we need advices. We need counsel. We need prayers from others, especially in the household of faith. So, quickly, I'll end with this. In this advice that Mo Jethro had given to Moses, we can see first the principle of priority. The principle of priority. 
What do we mean by this? We need to find out the main thing that you are supposed to be doing and do that first and do that best. Amen? Amen. Good advice of Moses. You cannot handle all their problems. You have to set leaders, spiritual help, counselor to help you out. Amen? So in Moses' case, it was to go to God for the people. But as he spent all day on minor disputes, he never go around to do his main thing that he's supposed to do and the way he should have done it. That's why our main priority as Christians is to look Godward every day. You know, after justification, remember our studies in the book of Romans? Yeah, thank God I'm saved forever. I'm declared righteous before God. I am redeemed. But after that, there's supposed to be something coming along the line. It's not the end. Yes, you're going to heaven. You have no fire insurance of not going to hell. Amen? It's better than State Farm, Geico, or Allstate. Amen? It's God's insurance. Amen? Forever and true. But after that, that's not the end of the Christian life. There is the sanctification process, remember? You are now set apart to do God's will, to do good works, to witness, to be more like Jesus so you can influence others so we'll be able to bring them with us to glory. Isn't it? That's great. Your loved ones and friends, co-workers that are dear to your heart, that you have a relationship here on earth, will also have a relationship with you in heaven for all eternity. And God might be the one using you as that channel, as that bridge to point them to Jesus. So after justification, this is what we're working on right now is our sanctification Righteousness, Godward, because one day, ultimately, we will find glorification when we hear the great trumpet sound, amen? Or when it's our time to pass from this life to the afterlife. When it's our time for the angels of God to visit us and bring us to His glory, like what had happened to some of our dear loved ones, amen? Have gone before us. But I always say this, I miss the portrait there. It's not there anymore, but it's okay. We need to move on. Amen? But I always say we don't mourn as others mourn because we have the hope of the resurrection, the hope of eternal life. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's, that's an assurance. Amen? That's a hope that's lift our spirit. But the ultimate analysis is our glorification. But before that, we need to work on our priorities. We need to work on our sanctification. You know, I, I, I'll say this with my heart. When every pastor has to make some decisions, I, for one, have to decide what my main priority is. And today, it is the preaching of the Word of God. There's so much more I could fill my days with, especially on Saturday. It's supposed to be my Sabbath or Monday, but it's a blessing to do something for the glory of God. It's a blessing, though. For me, I'm so blessed to have such good help these days. Our deacons, our men, our two pastors here, our pastoral staff. Amen? And, and good spiritual leaders here in the church, both men and women. And even young professional. I'm so glad, you know, whenever we have an officer's meeting and they are burdened, they said, I think we want to volunteer to teach the, the middle schoolers, the high schoolers. You know what? That's a joy in a pastor's heart. That you are teaching, training, admonishing, praying for these 
little ones before in our Sunday school, now they are grown up. They have their own professional secular job. They're giving to the Lord. Amen? They're witnessing. I know they're not perfect, but they're trying to be. Amen? Even enrolling in Faith Bible Institute. So that's a blessing to me that they're stepping up. What about us? Amen? We should not just be a spectator or consumer. We need to be a contributor. We need to be a servant of God because we are saved to serve the one true living God. It's a blessing to see that. It's a blessing to have such good help these days. I'm privileged to be able to read and hear and study after many great men. And I'm following some of them right now. And I even got advice from my father-in-law a lot, a lot of times before. And I treasure those times. You need to have a priority in your life as well, God's people, brethren. You need to have one ministry, at least, in the church. That is your priority, and you do it often, and you do it the best. Can I encourage you to do that, please? 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, truly we are saved to serve. And you can serve here in this church. You have a place in the table. You have a place in the ministry. I don't care if you work in the nursery. I don't care if you work in the kitchen. I don't care if you clean the floor. I don't care if you just give or you pray for someone who's sick. Everyone can have a part in this ministry. Everyone can pray. Everyone can serve. Everyone can give. At least if you're a Christian, God gave you one spiritual gift. Don't you know that? As a mark of a true believer, you're at least one spiritual gift. Don't hide it. Don't bury it. Use it for God. He will exemplify it. He will nurture it. it will, he will prosper it. And, and ultimately, it's for His glory anyway. Not ours. Amen? Second advice, you have to move on. We need to see a principle of personal or delegation. Not just a principle of priority. Moses understood that during this time, but the principle of personal. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. The Bible declares here some of the spiritual gifts and calling in the early church in the New Testament. And applicable today, some of them. Take note. You know, we are called to do this. All right? Some are given the office of teachers, pastors, you know, all servants of God. Amen? That's why D.L. Moody said this. D.L. Moody, the prince, uh, not the prince of preacher, that's Charles Spurgeon, but who founded the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois. He said this, it's better to get a hundred men to work than to do the work of a hundred men. And I'm so glad with our church, our Leaders here, Pastor Max and wife and the rest of the deacons before they have this organization. Amen? Because the church is a living organism, but it also has to be decent and in order. That's why we have that dumpster there. Amen? <laughs> Thank God for our property and space, our officers, amen, who have the heart and burden to enhance our little place here, God-given place. That's why we're encouraging to pray for our variants to be approved. Why? It's not for our own thing, but it's for God's glory. So we can draw more people for Jesus here. So they could hear the gospel. So the children can be taught God's word. So we have a conducive place. But we're thankful and grateful for all these years. Amen? Of having these things that God had provided us. And, and remember, it's all paid for by God's grace. That's why we can support 100 missionaries this year. By God's grace. That's the heart 
of uh, our, our pastors before, Pastor Max, and our heart too is to continue to, to do the Great Commission and have a part in worldwide evangelization. The principle of personal. I'd say here in our church, at least 75% of our people have a, a ministry. And that's great. We have many that can do the job better than I can anyway. They are even more qualified in that area than I am. But I thank God that they're using it for God's glory because we are all part of one body. Everyone needs each other. Amen? Moving on. We need to see in this advice the principle of planning. Planning. We know God is for organization. Some resist this and say, no, you'll organize the Holy Spirit right out of the church. I'm sensitive to that. That's why we pray, amen? Ask God's wisdom. We convene with the officers, and every now and then we have a meeting, business meeting. What can we do to enhance our ministry? Of course, we're open to that, you know? So just a, a quick biblical example of this. What did the Lord do first when he fed the 5,000? And it's in our Sunday school. And then later on, the 4,000 men, not including, uh, including the kids and their wives. First with five loaves and two fishes, and then the second one, seven loaves. There are seven baskets full that will remain. Like seven is the number of completion, isn't it? But in Luke 9, 12 to 17, I think I have the verse. But he said unto them, give ye them to eat. And they said, we have no more but five loaves and two fishes, the first miracle here of the feeding, except we should go and buy meat for all these people. For they were about 5,000 men. So including uh, the women, their wives, probably and their children, probably let's say 15 to 20,000. That's a lot of people. That's a mass. All right? And he said to his disciples, make them sit down by 50s in a company. So let's make a math. 5,000 divided by 50. Okay, don't use your calculator. Just add those zeros. How many group of 50s are there? 500. Good, 500. So may 500 na grupo. No? Kula-kulapong. Alright. So imagine the disciples, Christ blessed the bread and the fish, and he gave it to them, the 12, and they gave to 550s. So let's include the, me the ladies, the wives, and the children. And look at that. Just use your sanctified imagination. They have a basket, one of them, isn't it? The disciples, and they're giving the loaves and the fish. And it's never running out. Keep on giving. Passing the bread. In Ecclesiastic. Keep on giving the fishes. Yung tilapia. Alright, may paprika. Alright. Hindi hito. Hindi na yun eh. We were in the Sea of Galilee in Israel in our pilgrimage. Yeah, they have carp there. Tilapia. Sea of Galilee. Clear water. Big fat fish. Alright. And that's what we eat. In the morning, in one of the restaurants we went to, in the hotel. Remember? Our Israel friends, isn't it fresh? They, they cook it. Tilapia, karpa. So it's a biblical food, amen? Biblical fish. So if you want to live longer, eat tilapia, amen? So probably there is giving it fried fish, fried tilapia. And then let's, let's like barley loaves, guru. Let's say panera bread, anong flavor? With seeds on it, diba? Of course, wala silang cream cheese noon. Goat cheese lang, diba? Alright, pero bigay ng bigay yung mga disciples, hindi na uubos. And kumain yung 15,000. Amen? Na tao at least. What? Pero may organization. Di ba? Make them sit down by 50s. Tignan nyo, kapag may Black Friday sale, walang organization before, di ba? People are just greedy. Oh, I wanna go there. And then they rush and they hurt others. 
Kasi kung walang organization, there's chaos. Same thing in the church, same thing in our family, same thing in our workplace, in our community. There is organization. We are to do all things decently and in order. Amen? As the Bible says, the universe is a place of order. The church is told to keep order. And more than we are an organization, we are an organism, a living thing, and each of us are parts of a body, an organized body. So that's why we can say we need to live our lives by a plan. That's why we have emphasis here in the church every month. Amen? And plan our ministry as well. I need to organize my desk. Oh, I'm still working on it. My wife knows. Just I need to organize my thoughts today for this message. And we should seek God's will for the future and then make plans accordingly. That's why you have retirement. Amen? It's not evil. It's not having lack of faith to plan for the future. Especially for your kids. Amen? But I'm not planning too long. Because I'm planning to be raptured here every, any day soon. Are you? Hmm? It could be our lifetime. It could be the next seven years. As you see what's happening in the world right now. See the attack in Israel. About the brick. You know? About the signs of the end times. Of the coming great tribulation. As we studied. Preach in this pulpit, we, but we still have to plan and pray and trust God every day for tomorrow, for the future. You know, I have to end, amen, because somebody just hit the food. All right, number four, last. In this advice, we see a principle of pride. Pride. But in the other way around, in the experience of Moses, Moses was humble enough to receive this advice. When he could have said to his father-in-law. So we can see here because Jethro was converted. Amen? He now believes in Jehovah because of everything that Moses told him about the great God, the true living God that can save anyone, that can restore a family, a community, and a nation. And Israel was called to be a lighthouse to the Gentiles, to the bacon world during that time, to show the one true living God. So, but he still adhered to advice of his saved pagan heathen father-in-law before. Amen? So he said, Moses could have the pride. You? Giving me advice? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know I parted the Red Sea? He didn't say that. He did not really part the Red Sea. It was God, Jehovah. Amen? That used him as an instrument to part the Red Sea. You see, sometimes I feel sorry for those who think they know it all. James 4.10, you know, there was a time in my life I thought, like, I know a lot of things, but I really don't know anything. I need the grace of God. We all do. We need the mercy of God. But James 4.10 declares, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. That's why Moses is the most meekest man on earth. Because meekness is not weakness, but meekness is simply power under control. We have power, amen? But we don't boast around arrogantly, you know, I'm holier than thou. If you don't listen to me, you'll not be blessed. No, we are just forgiven sinners, saved by the grace of God. So humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And that's the best thing. He shall lift you up in due time, amen? Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better is, it is to be of humble spirit with the lowly than to, to divide the spoil with the proud. You know, thank God, Moses was humble enough to receive instruction and counsel. That's why there is wisdom in wilderness. 
when the God that we serve is the God that we worship. Amen? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture, such practical truths that we can relearn or be reminded of. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to have wisdom in this world full of superficial knowledge. And you said in your word in James 1, 5, let him that lacketh wisdom ask of God, and God will give it liberally. It's one of the prayers in the Bible that you will directly answer yes for a child of God. Lord, we all can admit here there are times we made some stupid and dumb decisions in our lives because we did not consult it with you in prayer. And in the word, we let our own flesh, our own instant probably gratification or desire to impede right judgment and wisdom. So forgive us, Lord. But it's always wise to obey your will, to obey your still small voice. Because in this world right now, there are so much voices that we hear, so much call that we hear. And we need to set a time as God's people, especially in this Lord's day, to hear the still, small voice of God through your word, through your spirit, to direct our lives, to direct our path. Because you want us to be blessed so we can be a blessing to others. Lord, thank you for this wisdom in the wilderness that we can see in the life of Moses, these practical truths about this principle in the word of God. And we will never go wrong if we obey your word. And that's my prayer this morning. So before we end this message, as we always do, there's an invitation here. If you're a believer, a child of God, you want to pray in the altar, please feel free to do so. Or you're in the seat of your heart, maybe there's something in the message that struck you. You want to deal with it with the Lord individually, silently. Please offer a prayer to God. Talk to Him. He's your Abba Father. He listens. He cares. All of us here that have children, we have a burden for our kids. The world that we're living in right now is growing more perilous, as the Bible declares, more uncertain. They are bombarded by so much worldly, humanistic philosophies. That's why we have to ground them in the Word of God. We need to pray for them. We need to talk with them. Talk to them. Because the devil is out there trying to snare them. And we need to pray that the Lord will be gracious and will preserve them. If you're here, you have a lost family loved one. I know all of us. I do. I have, I have an aunt that I still pray to be saved I have relatives I still pray to be saved I, I want to encourage you today like what happened with Moses he just kept that Christian testimony yes we're never perfect but we are saved we can have an impact an influence in them they're looking at us they are, we are the walking bible so to speak so by God's grace, let's keep our testimony Godward for the glory of God. Because peradventure, you never know when they are sick, when they are in deep problems or trials, they will call you. Hey, 
sister, hey brother, hey, would you give me an advice? What should I do? I know you're a Christian. I know you go to the church. Seems like you have the joy of the Lord. You have peace. What should I do? You know what? That would be a great open door opportunity to point them to Jesus. You see? Being that light and salt of the earth is never, never in vain. It's only by the grace of God once again. We can leave that part of our Christianity, the sanctification part. We just depend on the Lord. But I want to encourage you to keep that burden. Keep that burden. Keep that compassion. The worst thing sometimes that can happen to a Christian is to be apathetic. That we just don't care. We are just careless to care for the souls of men. We sang a while ago, Set my soul afire, Lord, for the loss in sin. This is what will matter in eternity. Everything else will go down the drain, so to speak. Our material possessions and blessing, our health, there will come a time they will fade away. They will end. But what we invest in the scripture, what we invest in the souls, what we invest in the church of the living God in this place will remain for eternity. So I encourage you, as we have our upcoming missions conference, set our affection on things above. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And this thing shall be added unto you. If you're here, you're not sure of your eternal destiny, we preach Christ here, the gospel, the good news, that Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. He shed His blood and He rose again because He knew that man could never save himself. We are lost. We are a sinner before a righteous God. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God in Romans 3.23. Romans 6.23 declares, for the wages or the penalty of sin is death. But thanks be to God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All you need to do is to call upon Jesus' name. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin. And by faith, receive Him in your heart and life as your Lord and personal Savior. You can call in prayer to God this way. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. Forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, shedding your blood, rising up the third days to save me. I now by faith ask you to come into my heart and life to be my Lord and personal Savior. Thank you for the eternal life you've given me today and help me to know you more and serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father God in heaven, as we momentarily end this invitation, you can hear the prayers of thy people. Thank you, Lord, that we can find wisdom in the wilderness of life. A lot of us here can relate the times that we were suffering. We are in deep waters. We have storms in life. That's the time you showed us how close you can be in our relationship with thy people. It's the sweeter the better our relationship is with thee when those times comes. Because we learn to depend upon you in all things. Thank you, Lord. We can still find 
a table set up when we are in the wilderness. You're there to feed us, nurture us. You're there to quench our spiritual thirst because you have the Holy Spirit of God, the church, and the fellow brethren to sustain us in those times. So we will be wise enough, Lord, to always commune with you because you're the one who never go away. We are the ones who go away. But we recall what the disciple had said, where should we go, Lord Jesus? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for your words today. Blessed in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <music>